Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 221 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I have the pleasure to talk with David, Nick's dad. I always really get so much out of speaking with dads to just learn from a dad's perspective a little bit. I know so many of my listeners enjoy that. And I have talked to moms who have their husbands listen to these dads episodes as well. So I know all of you will really enjoy listening to him. Again, if you would like to share your story, feel free to email me. I am booking interviews for the wintertime. And don't feel like you have to have done something remarkable and amazing. Nick's dad, for example, has written a book, but you don't have to have written a book. It can just be your own simple grief story because everyone's story is precious and everyone's story is important. Right now, I just want you to sit back and enjoy listening to David, Nick's dad. Thank you so much, David, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the chance to share my son's story and my wife and my journey. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it, too. I feel like I know quite a bit already, and we'll get into why I know quite a bit a little bit later. But why don't you start just by telling us all about your son, Nick? Nick was our younger son. or We had an older son named uh, JP. Everybody else called him John, but we, we still call him JP. And, and Nick was four years younger, and he was just from the get-go uh, an adventurous, curious, often impulsive uh, young man, a uh, little boy, uh, I, again, I, read, I read, wrote the book Forever 13, and you probably read some of the stories about him. I mean, he just escaped the house. I did, yeah. You know, and then we go get him, and go, I, I did it. I did it, you know. It, 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 <laughs> everything was an adventure to him. Uh, very, uh, he's very, he was always very kind, very loving. And, you know, he, he got along with almost everybody. He just loved life. He was just uh, a fun character. Uh, sometimes yeah. uh, I, one of those, I can't believe he just did that, you know. He was my renaissance man, or he's going to be my renaissance man. He, at 13, he already could do so many other things. Yeah. Not only was he a smart kid, he was a talented kid. He played he played music, uh, instruments. He could draw, he could paint, he could design, he could, you know, he did intricate things with Legos and, 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 and just make up, just make things, just make things around the house, you know, which, boy, I could sure use now. Uh, although my older son's getting better <laughs> at it, so, you know, you know, sometimes we might Probably were both thinking, it'd be nice if Nick was here. He, he could handle that. Yeah, right. Well, he was quite the woodworker too, right? Yes, he could. He could. Uh, he loved his woodshop. That was his favorite class, despite everything else he could do. And uh, he made two guitars that they hang up in our in our wall in the house over here. My brother-in-law put them up for us. And he just loved working with his hands. He just loved to to create. Mm-hmm. Very, very creative. As a matter of fact, that's what my wife likes to refer to him as her creative angel in heaven. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and, and you know, he was a bit of a mama's boy, which was fine with me, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he was 13, uh, he, was, he was going through his rebellious ages, teen years, and, and mostly aimed at me, because you know, he wasn't going to, his mom was his favorite, so. <laughs> but again, he, he had a gift of being empathetic to other kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, he made friends with the kids who were uh, disabled, and, you know, we, we, we could be in a, in the mall or somewhere, and then you'd see one of those kids from school, and if you knew their name, ran over to them and said, "Hi, how are you doing?" And uh, you know, do you, you want to come hang out with us? Type thing. And again, he was just—he uh, was our kid who loved every holiday. Mm-hmm. He'd celebrate everything, not just Christmas and, and New Year's. He loved his birthday. He'd celebrate Winnie the Pooh Day. He'd share, you know, if it was you know, <laughs> dress, dress up and wear purple day. Okay, that's fine with me, and he would do that too. You know, I, I see your, your, that must be your son's baseball thing in the back. You know, yeah. I was a baseball fan. Not, neither of my boys got into it, maybe because of me. But but the, he was a he was a really good swimmer. He was learning to be a pretty good water polo player. And uh, he, and he was, again, adventurous to the point where he did live dangerous. Yeah. I guess the way to put it, he was in a, he was on a ski, uh, a group that would ski all the time up in Lake Tahoe with my, my son and, 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 and other groups. And he went down one of those diamond runs. He's only 10 years yeah. old, only been for about a week or two. And they said, turn, turn, turn. And he, did. he was flying down the hill. He got down the bottom, and the instructor went down and said, why didn't you turn? And he just looked at him and said, well, then I wouldn't go as fast. <laughs> you know? I loved reading about his last Halloween costume that he did, because that was pretty cool to me. And we just passed Halloween at the time of this recording, not when it's being released, yeah. but at the time of the recording. So you got to talk about that, because I want to learn a little bit more about that, actually. Well, he, he was into that kind of Transformers and stuff like that. I'm sure you yeah. boys were too. And, 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 uh, and he just decided he was going to make a costume uh, where he transformed himself into a pickup truck. Yes. And out of it. Into a robot and then back down to a, a, a truck, and and he worked. And of course, those those costumes don't really exist, so he had to make it no. up himself. He got cardboards and boxes and tapes, and he, and he was drawing it, and he, could, he was drawing the designs, working on it. You know, when he was done with his homework at night before the bed, we'd say, "You gotta go to bed." He was working on it, writing it, and everything else. And and then uh, and then the night he finally had it all put together, he had to paint it. And I don't know where, but he found some black paint in the garage. And he's painting, and then he comes in. He comes in. Uh, I was working. I thought you were in bed. He goes, oh, I was painting my my, my, my costume. Well, he's just supposed to be in bed. And he ran out of paint. So, <laughs> so I go, well, there's nothing open. So, But I ran over to Walmart, got him some, let him finish it. And there's a touching thing. There, there's still a – we thought we covered the, the bottom of the garage floor. So paint. there's still a strip of little black paint that's still oh. there. And that reminds me, and that tells me, you know, that's going to be there forever, at least a lot of it. You know, that's, and yeah. that's, you know, so that's, that's where Nick made his costume. And, and at first I thought everybody was going to make fun of him, but everybody just loved it. As yeah. a matter of fact, my, my wife has a, we, we can, we, we have it on a, on a Facebook, and she has it, and there's a, like a, a 20, 30 second uh, videotape that his teacher, his woodshop teacher made of him at school, getting up as a robot, went down to the truck. Left with the robot, went down the truck, and he and he, and he, and he, he oh, wow, he's just something, and that's one of our most treasured pieces of anything we have. Oh, you've got to get that to me. Maybe I can post that. We'll oh. see if I can post that up right. to Instagram right. or something. Because holy cow, that it just sounded really cool, and I love the way you said 
and you kind of were a little nervous, like people might make fun of it or something, make fun of him, because it wasn't like a costume that you would go and buy. It was homemade right. with cardboard. But the fact that mm-hmm. everybody loved it was really telling. Yeah. I mean, there were, just like any kid, he, there were times like, I don't want to do that. It'd be scary. But for the most part, he wanted to do it. He didn't care. He didn't care what you were going to yeah. think, you know. As long as he enjoyed it and he was going to have fun and, and, and some of his friends liked it, you know, he was fine. Yeah. He was, like I said, he's an adventurer. He's, he's an adventurous kid. And, and, uh, and we miss him. But uh, we're, we're so glad he was here. Well, I, I love hearing that about a 13-year-old kid who still was okay kind of marching to his own drum a little bit. Because mm-hmm. so often, I mean, I'm being a pediatrician, I see lots of kids and lots of that middle school age kid. They just want to be just like everyone else. And so it was kind of refreshing to hear this story of a mm-hmm. kid who really didn't mind not being like everyone else and actually loved not mm-hmm. being like everyone else. Yeah, uh, and that's why one of my favorite songs, you know, I'm an old 50s and 60s song, because that's what my dad made me listen to when I was growing up. And I, I try to make my boys listen to it too. Nah, dad, that's, you're just an old man. But Weezer has a song called Pork and Beans, and, and, and I like that song because the lyrics pretty much say, you know, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to eat my candy with pork and beans. And <laughs> what he, that's what he was like, you know. Yeah, yeah love that. Love that. So do you want to talk a little bit now about what happened to Nick? Yeah, I, I can. Uh, I, I will be honest. I don't usually talk a lot about the details. Mm-hmm. Not, not because it's horrifying. But, well, first let me just say that, that Nick was curious, adventurous, impulsive. Mm-hmm. It, was an, it was an accident at home. Uh, yeah. There was nobody here, and, they were, and, and he decided he wanted to just fool around doing something. And, and, and it caused him to be in a situation that he... It got stuck in and he died on it. Yeah. Uh, my wife, unfortunately, was the one that had discovered it. He tried to give CPR. I, I didn't know until I got home and this was, was fire engines oh, everywhere. Wow. And I'm coming in. What happened? What happened? Uh, you know, and um, and it just, that night is just, it's, it's just a, a little fog at times. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. We have a lot of friends in the, in the police department here and they did their investigation. They said, you know, all, all, all things point to an accident. All things mm-hmm. point to an accident. And uh, so when I look back on, on it, do I need to? I, I mean, I, I'm the only one that saw the, the, the autopsy. And my wife didn't see it. Yeah. And, and even with, the, and it, with that, you know, what, what in the end really caused it was the way he lived his life. He just, I just want to do this. You know, mom wasn't here. Mom went to go get food. So he's going to do it now because dad's off the school. So yeah. he's not back yet. And and JP went with my, my wife. And then, and that was what that was, you know, and, and to, to, to really go into the details of, and about how, that, that he died doing something he probably shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be angry. I'd be angry. You know, if it was, if I had gotten there and, and, and saw it before anything happened, I would, yeah, I probably would have chewed him out. What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are we talking about? Yeah. You know, you got it. You have to uh, control it. And, um, but if I was to be angry about it, then I would be angry at the fact that that's who he was. I mean, if the, if the accident never happened, he would have still been a very curious, very adventurous, very impulsive young man. I prefer just to be thankful and and think more about how wonderful it was to have him here for 13 years mm-hmm. than that moment when he left us. Mm-hmm. And that's a conversation I have with a lot of people I talk to, whether it's grief share as a facilitator or 
in my men's bereavement group, my father's bereavement group. And no, it, we, we can, if you want to talk detail, that's fine, but we don't have to hear that. The one important thing is the one thing we all have in common is we lost our child. Yes, we want them here. But in the file of all the great things that he did, it's this tall. All, yeah. of having him here was this tall. And for the moments I was upset or the moment, the most upsetting moment is that he left, that he left it. Right. And it's that small. Okay. I can, I can dwell on that, but then I'm cheating people knowing who he was. Mm-hmm. That's why I did the eulogy. And uh, I want people to know just how much he loved them. And, and, and I don't know that anybody else could, could, could do that. Uh, I'm not sure I did it because I, I don't remember half of it. If it wasn't for my notes that I put in the book. I, <laughs> I don't know. I can remember all those things, but uh, but like I said, losing him was was like losing a piece. And you know, yeah, we look in the mirror. People don't uh, that don't never lost a child, especially because they're they're part of it. And it's like I look in the mirror and I have a limit, and it's never going to go away. Or my heart grows bigger because uh, I now have a daughter-in-law and I have a grandson, who's named Nick, by the way. Yeah. And I just, I have room for more love and more people to enter my life, but there will always be that hole in my heart until I see him again. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of the, actually, I would say my favorite part of your book was when you were talking about how the days go by, then it turns into weeks, then it turns into months, and it turns into years. And you said something about there being a bean counter, like up in heaven, that is, adding another bean and you when you think about it like that about every day being further away that hurts but what you mentioned and what I really grasped onto is the fact that there is also a bean coming out of our jar about the jar that on how many days we have left until we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I started envisioning that a little bit. And I started thinking of some bean counter up in heaven, taking one bean out of my jar and just transferring it to the other jar. And suddenly thinking about the fact that there are always going to be the same amount of days between when I, you know, seeing him and when I'm going to see him again, right? That number, God knows that number. I don't know that number. I don't know. All I know is I'm in the middle on that timeline and every day I go a little further on the timeline, but it stays. So if it's 10,586 days between his death and mine, that's never going to change. Mm -hmm. It just changes where the bean is which jar the bean is, if it's in the jar of me before me going to heaven or in the jar of the days since Andy's gone to heaven. And that was yeah. super comforting to me. I just love that image. The way you just described it, now my, my, my vision goes of that's the bean that is between Nick and me. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? And, and every time uh, one is taken out of my jar, it's put in the Nick's jar. Yeah. And knowing my son Nick, every day he goes over to how many more beans would you like to see my dad again? At least I hope you will. Yeah. This dad again. You know, because you have that, that's just the way you just said that. Now, now I got a whole different vision of that too. That, wow. Right. Because that's the way you started saying it a certain way. And then it just got me thinking. And I was like, wow. I mean, it's the same number of days. It's been the same number of days forever. And it will continue to be the same number of days. It's just where I am on the timeline. And mm-hmm. that just felt good to me. I kind of mm-hmm. just needed that. So I thank yeah. you for that. 
You're welcome. And, and uh, you know, the premise of that idea also is you say you only have 14 pages to go. It's not a mystery novel, so I, I hope I don't get away. But there's a, there is, I do mention uh, an individual named Zig Ziglar who, who said that God knows exactly how many days you're going to be here. Mm-hmm. And nothing you can do to make, make change. And, and I always think of myself as being in a race, and, and in that race I've gone down. Uh, there's a, I actually wrote this part. So I have a, I have a second book done, a manuscript that's already been approved. I, I haven't signed an agreement yet. But in it, I, I mentioned about going to heaven, and there's Jesus walking me home. And then just at the last second, and there's, he's looking at me, and I go, uh-huh, yeah, and he's pointing here. By the way, look over here. And coming out of the coming out of the fog, Jesus tells me, "Oh, there's somebody else doing what you see, waiting for you to come yeah. home." And it's like, yeah. So, and that's a sad thing to say. I mean, today's my mother's birth, my late mother's birthday, and should I be wanting to see her first? If my wife ever went before me, honestly, the first thing, the first person I want to see is Nick. And after Jesus Christ, the first person I want to see is Nick. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I lost my mom, you know, a long time ago when I was 21 years old. So. But I still, first person I want to see is Andy, for sure. And I I think our mothers would totally understand. Oh, yeah. If if they're in that place, I I think they would totally understand. Right. I just feel like they're together anyway. And that the first thing would happen, it would be my mom would be like, here's Andy, here's Andy, here's Andy. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, like I said, and the book, you know, to me, he's forever 13. I, I don't, I've never spent a lot of time thinking about what would he be like now? Occasionally that, that passes my mind. If I see one of his friends, right, something like that, I, I've even taken, I, I work out deep water classes in, in the pool and there's a young lady walking by, for example. It could be any young lady. I would think that young lady would be dating my son. <laughs> right. You know, you know? I even, I even right. joked once in my mind, I'm going to say out loud, that's my daughter. But, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but, but, but I, 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 that, that's why I wrote the book Forever 13 because that's how I remember him. Yeah. That's how I remember yeah. him. And it was a full life. Yeah. It was a full life. And I think I, I think I met the book that, that God, or the, you know, and, and you know, you probably had people who have said, uh, Oh, he lived too short a life, you know. He, you know, he had cheated, uh, you know. He, you know, and, and and I think God knows exactly how long he wanted him here, and he gave him a full life. Now, my wife and I have cheated, like you probably yeah, cheated. For sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I want my son here. I, I, I want he'd be twenty six years old right now. You know, would he be buddies with his with his brother, or would they be, be you know, yeah, yeah, you, you know, who knows? You know, he'd have a, he'd be a blast having an, an uncle. He'd be a great uncle. Yeah, he might be married by now or, or whatever else with all the talents he had. I can't imagine what he, he probably could have become. But, you know, to me, he's 13 mm-hmm. and he'll always be there because, you know what, that's what I expect to see when I get there. Yeah. You know, that's why I have this little beard here. You know, he made me grow this. Oh, did he? And I grew it. And he, yeah, at least about 11, 10, 11. He goes, Dad, you should grow those beards, okay? And then I, I grew it and after I go, oh, you should shave it off. Okay, fine. But I, did, I shaved it off about a month later and he looked at me. You need to grow it back. <laughs> so my 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 thought process is I'm going to keep this. It's a lot wider than it was when he when I last saw him, but I, I want him to recognize that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about your early grief journey and kind of how that was, and because it was different between you and your wife, I know. Mm-hmm. 
first off, the support we got from families, mm-hmm. immediate family, friends, and, and our church was so wonderful. Uh, you know, so so much needed and so much grateful for. But as you know, as time goes on, everybody else moves on. Yes. And and, and I don't fault any of them. No, of course not. Mm-hmm. Whether it's my family or friends, I, I don't fault them. But for us, it does move on. We look at that. We look at that. The dining table, there's still one seat empty. Yeah. And then as so, so Christy and I, we started immediately trying to find some kind of support, uh, whether uh, all kind of uh, uh, brief parents of America or uh, grief care later, we got the grief care. And each time we we went to the support, it became very obvious that uh, that we see things a little differently. Yeah. In grief together, which is what we did. But we also did differently. I mean, I already told you that, that I jokingly like to say that Nick was probably a mommy's boy, but they had a very tight relationship. And that relationship that Christy had with Nick was not the, as a mother daughter, mother son, was not the same as I had with him as a father son. Mm-hmm. Now, as parents to Nick, we had that relationship. But, but we all have individual relationships with our kids. I'm sure your, your husband and, 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 your, and your other children. Their relationship with Andy was unique. Yeah. Just like my son JP. And my son JP is still working through it, I think, you know, but he's getting better. You know, he just he just told me the other day, Dad, I found it late at night and I finally got around to start to read more and more of your book and, and he said it brought back some good memories and I was glad to see that. You know, but 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 here still you know, as a sibling he had a different relationship. So it became very obvious. We just agreed that we're gonna we're gonna grieve together but separately. Mm-hmm. But separately but together. And, and I had to respect what she had with Nick. And I believe she respects what I had with Nick as well. And I, I, I was envious that I never got to have that relationship. Being a high school teacher at the time, I just got along better with those juniors. I, I mean, my oldest son was a pain in the rear at that time, but I knew how to deal with it because I, mean, I would deal yeah. with it every day. You know, uh, unfortunately, my, drove my, mother, my, my wife nuts. But Nick said, okay, you know what? He's going to be in high school. He's going to, you probably going to need or, or, Pretend that he's, he's not listening to my advice on how to deal with something in high school, just because I've seen it every day. But I, I just, I just, I just assumed I was going to have a better relationship with him. Yeah. And we went to heaven and lost all that. Right. My wife uh, was a teacher. She was a coach too, and and never doubted it. The minute we had J- JP, and then afterwards Nick, he was not going back to work as a teacher. Yeah. She was not going to go back. She was. She, she loved being a stay-at-home mom. She was good at it. She lived for everything about it, good and bad. She just lived for it. And I could see that when, when we lost Nick, that such a big part of her was gone and it didn't know what to do. I mean, we still had JP. Yeah. Dad raised him. But he's only a year or two away from being an adult out of the house. Yeah. You know, and even now, she, she's still a great mother to JP. JP talks to her all the time now. Something he didn't, I, I never thought would happen. But not having Nick there, uh, it just, it just, it was her, all her plans, all her days, you know, whether it was she'd go to work and then go pick him up at school, give him his homework, off the swim practice, you know. And by then, JP's driving, so JP doesn't need mom and dad for that anymore. Just having that, even though he was 13, having that. It was a big part of her identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was It was a gigantic. And I could see that it hurt her to not have that. And, and I, you know, I don't know what to do. Uh, but again, then dad, fix it. I came to the realization, I can't fix this. No. We have to work through it together, even though parts of it is separate. Because she had to, she had to work through her grief 
of losing uh, uh, Nick as as her her baby, and 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 my my baby is different. You know, there's mm-hmm. just there's just there's just some things. Nick react talked differently to me. He acted differently around dad, and and I, and I really think that that caused uh, cancer in, in her too as well. Because uh, I think her, uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry, the disease happened because we lost Nick, but her physical trying to just to, to survive and uh, through all that emotional trial just let 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 everything down, and I think it, it made her vulnerable. Yeah, we have shared going to grief share together. We're both facilitators. Mm-hmm. And and I think the biggest the biggest thing that that we can really count on is uh is our faith. Mm-hmm. I have other kids through this. I have other people, even friends that have gone are going through this now, and they some of them don't have the Lord in their life, and I just don't know how they how they get to that next day because at some point we get to the why, or we get to the I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can seem to get to it is to let God get uh, let us know somehow. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a Jeremiah 29, 11. I thought the third one, and I'm I'm, I'm breaching every my base is going to be that. And uh, you know, and my thought is, what do you mean you don't mean any harm? <laughs> At the time, I can not I don't have my son. My son died. You know, uh, you, you know. Uh, you, 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 I, I want to give you hope. How, what kind of hope do I have? My son died. Right. And it took me a while to feel God's presence. And, you know, you got to give the Lord credit. You know, he didn't hold it. He didn't hold a grudge at me for not having faith at the moment when, or, or, or not, I just not trusting that, that he has a plan still for me. Says, you know, and I think it's what my wife was too, is that she didn't feel like the plan that God had for her, and the plan that she had, which she thought was parallel, now with Nick gone, what am I supposed to do? Right. And and I still have that something. So. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing for me was to try to get trust, and still is, still is for mm-hmm. sure, the trust piece. Because certainly I had times that I was angry with God and upset with God, and I felt like... He would be okay with that. Like God can take that. And and it seemed yeah. better for me to be angry with God than to be angry with someone else. Right? Because I felt like God can definitely handle that. But the biggest, most difficult piece for me has been trying to get that trust back just because of just feeling always a little bit on edge that if this can happen once, it can happen again. And how could I ever ha- handle it happening again? And mm-hmm. it's just a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, I, my wife probably still the same, and maybe my son, uh, JT, is that you know, how can God have a plan for us? What, what possible plan would make things better or, or, or that I would still be of use to others through this? I mean, you know, God, you could have made use of me in so many ways and not taken myself. Yeah. And I don't know that that was it, you know, but we, we in Greece share, there was a feature on, on, on the video that, that if you, even if God told you why. Yeah. Even if he told you why, you found out why, it's still the empty. Yep. So in some ways it doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But part of the plan is that, uh, that I keep them alive in our heart. We keep our children alive in our heart and in your heart. Yeah. We, we talk about them. I wrote something about my sister and my brother-in-law, that one of the greatest things. I, I made sure that they were separate. At first, when I wrote the, the, the uh, dedication and the acknowledgement, 
I go, I, I listed all my family. There's even my brother and my sister-in-law. My sister and my brother-in-law. I go, oh, they're going to think something's wrong. Where they go down to the bottom? It's just that they just happen to go a little. My, 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 my all my other family always been supportive. But they go the extra mile. They, they have no, they talk about him. You don't know what that does to our service. When you want to yeah. talk about our child, you think it might hurt, but I don't care if I'm crying. Please, keep, keep. Yeah, keep going. It's like music, right? It's like music. Yeah, like he was still here and he's still here in their heart. Mm-hmm. And and they share stories that they remember. And that's and that's what people that if you go on through our grief don't understand. Mm-hmm. Early on we learned trick down not to be upset at anybody. There's some people that go, okay, well, you know what? But they don't understand. And I don't really want you to understand. Right, right. I mean, exactly. You don't. I mean, there might be people you and I just do not like. I don't want ever want that. There might be a lot of things I don't care no. happen to you, but definitely one thing I do care want happen to you. I never want you or anyone else to go through this. No, no. It's interesting you talking about that dinner table example because it does make me think so much about my Andy because we always had a table of six. So we had a rectangular table and it always had six chairs, and but we were a family of five and. It always really bothered Andy that there was an empty chair at the table. And we would talk about, oh, that the empty chair was Jesus or something like that to Mm -hmm. try to make him feel a little bit better about having an empty chair. But then we got our foster son, Valeriano. And one of the things that he was so excited about, because he was so excited about so much, but when we found out we were going to have him, I just remember him saying, there's not going to be an empty chair at the table anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we're going to have six people at the table every day. So there were always six of us at the table. So it really was so painful when we went back to five, you know, because just because he was the one that it bothered so much that when we were at five to begin with, like there always should have been a fourth kid in our family and there never was until, you know, he was a little bit older. Um, so man, it still is to this day painful having that empty spot when when everyone's home because mm-hmm. Valeriano still comes home for dinner for a fair amount uh, just because I think my cooking is better than his own in his own house but whenever it's setting that table for five it's it's still just hurts just a little bit you know and I can empathize with, with that with that even more so but after a while maybe about a year I, I started sitting in the next week at dinner did you and the empathy was mine my wife and I, I think to my oldest son. And also, we, we, any chance if my son, uh, my older son, his best friend, or a, a young lady he might be dating at the time, uh, you know, can they come over? Yes, because the empty chair bothered me. Right. The empty chair bothered me. And even going out to dinner, you know, they go out to eat. Let's, yeah, yeah, they come. Now there's four people yeah. to dinner too. If we go out to eat, so the, the empty chair bothered me. Mm-hmm. Not to the point of being depressed or relentless, but. It just made me feel like, okay, that's this something I don't have to dwell on seeing at the moment that a reminder that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I really loved about your book is when you talked about having your little miracle moments. Mm-hmm. I always called those God winks in the podcast. Uh-huh. We call them God winks. But oh, I like that. Uh-huh. Talk about your little miracle moments, some of those. The one that I really uh, like, and my wife reminded me I got it wrong because uh, we, we were we we used to go to Southern California at New Year's. Actually, it's Christmas here at home, 
and we'd all drive we drive down to Southern California and we skipped it about a year or two. And then we, when my wife and I finally went back, my son couldn't. By now he's in Ohio, I think. So we went down there and we we're kayaking with my nephew and my niece, my brother's my brother keeps here. And after we were done, we said, let's go get some ice cream. So we went over to get some ice cream. And on her she was on her chest, on her back. On her chest was a stain. And my niece goes, Hey Jesse, look, you have a heart. Oh my gosh. And then the heart the thing didn't go away. It stayed on on her shirt, mm-hmm. and she took pictures and posted and stuff. But now, but, but she took that shirt and she folded it up. It's, it's, it's in a frame, and it's right on the side of the wall of the bed where she can wake up every morning. And, and she first thing she sees is hot. Yeah. So 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 we get those kind of miracle moments. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I spoke about the miracle moments at Christmas. Yeah. You know I have those too. And and I and, but but the big one was was on the first birthday he was gone. Yes, that first year anniversary. That was my favorite one. Yep. Yeah, I was naive enough to believe that. Okay, but on his first birthday, his birthday in May. Okay, uh-huh. if I can get to them, get to that, I'll be okay. Well, that's ridiculous. We all know this is for life. Yeah, because he died on the 13th of January. I'm just going to tell people. He died on the 13th of January, and he and, and David here had put a timeline on himself that he would be f- okay by May, by his birthday. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which I read that, and I was like, okay, whatever. You haven't even started yeah. yet, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> and, and, and I hope I made it very clear. That didn't work. No, no, that did not work. But we, and like I said, the book, and those who have read, I hope some people buy the book and read it. But but the the thing is, is that we had everybody come over to the house, we cleared up the garage, and we're, we're going to have like a, we've got all the favorite foods, the favorite chocolate cake, and like I said in the book, and you might even mix anything with chocolate was good. It didn't matter what it was. It could be chocolate uh-huh. spaghetti, he'd love it. <laughs> and we had the balloons out there, we had pencil write up like that. Those who couldn't make it, he had friends. Wherever they were, were doing balloons themselves. Our family in Ohio was doing balloons at the same time. And, but it was raining that day. And we finally got down those sprinkles. So I, we all went out in the coldest back. It's a lot of people. And how is this balloon release going to work in the rain? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so but it, it got down to a little drizzle. So I said, let's go out. Might as well. We don't know if it's going to be any lighter. And as we got out there, the, the drizzling stopped. You know, I, I, I thanked everybody for being there. A prayer and it was saying happy birthday, and then we released the balloon. And, and I'm not making I hope people realize I'm not making this up. I have witnesses that were there. As the balloon started up in the air, the the, 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 the clouds in the sky, the, the dark gray clouds, like a little hole opened up, and you could see a patch of blue. And most of the balloons just flowed right through there. And, and to me, I was like, God, God opened up heaven on Nick's birthday, which he always loved because he loved being here. You know, this is my day, this is my big day. And, and and all the balloons and messages went ran up went up in the mix at the mix and then I found out later we're not supposed to do balloons anymore but it's so hope this that was just beautiful mm-hmm. I mean what a beautiful image though of mm-hmm. the sky just opening up and just collecting yeah. all the balloons like that love it love it and then there, and then there's, there's this Christmas I have a I have a date open date with Nick. Probably until I can't do it anymore physically, but uh, I go to our church where we have a granite thing dedicated to him. It has a room on it and, and, and a scripture on it. On Christmas morning, I go, it's still dark. I take a cup of coffee. It's really cold in Sacramento at that time of year. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, uh, so I'm sitting there chilling, waiting, waiting for the sun to come up. I admit to crying. I admit to talking to him. The sunset comes out over the top where I can see Sacramento and the and and the, and the sunlight starts to hit from the church from the church on a big hill, 
And except for one time, that there was rain that day. A bird just shows up. Mm-hmm. Bird just shows up. One, because sometimes I think, there's no bird this year. I look, you know, I look up the side and it's a bird sitting on a brand. Yeah. You know, so, so I just think Josh, there's a bird there that says, they, they, you know, Dad, I'm okay. Yeah. Dad, I'm okay. Go enjoy Christmas again. Yeah. For me, it's a cardinal. It's always a cardinal. Uh-huh. They'll just fly in front of the car or they'll, you know, last time we just had his five-year anniversary of his death, and I've said this on the podcast before, that I was walking out of the Y because I decided to go to the Y for a little bit. I was just having such a hard day. And I just, like, said to myself and to God, God, I sure could use a sign about now because I just was so down Mm -hmm. and got in the car and my husband's driving and we literally are like halfway between I we live maybe a mile and a half from the Y so we're about halfway home and a cardinal just just flies right in front of the windshield and I was like thanks God yep I really needed that I really needed that today just one of those little cardinal moments so I love it and and, and I like that they I like that they come not when I want I'd like one just somehow you need it yeah you know it just shows up and that one I just I needed and I don't I'm not one to ask God for that I just don't do that I don't know if it's not one to put God to the test or whatever it is but mm-hmm. that day I just really just desperately needed it and so then I asked and I think it mm-hmm. was because I just desperately needed it just so sad you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and 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 then and then you know, but there's so many other things that 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 generate triggers, and and now I don't feel the triggers as I wrote in the book. I don't I don't feel that all triggers are bad anymore. Initially, when we were when we first lost them, and as you know, when Andy, you know, any trigger just turned out, oh, it just was the hurt, the heat, the pain, and everything else. But, but I think about Nick every day. I know you think of Andy every day. Every day. And because I think of him every day, you know. Sometimes those triggers just help remind me that, that, that he was here. But also, the triggers that can also help me with happy memories, like I said, losing that moment we lost Nick is, is, is a horrible hours or day or two of, the, of our, my life. But I saw him born and I, and I saw him before he left. And those 13 years, I would never give no. up. No. You know, I would never give up. The only painful, the only painful thing I have in this whole thing is I honestly thought, you know, when I go, whether my wife's there or not, whether I go, both my boys would right. be there to see me go. But now, you know, it'll just be JP. But the smile on my face, I think, when I get to see Nick, that's going to be all, you know, I think that, that was, I think that's all part of God's plan for, you know, my wife once told me early in our grief, and I said, you know, and I'm sure you had the same situation. Why, right. why, why couldn't it just be me? I'd have preferred it be me, not instead of him. And she goes, well, God doesn't think you're ready, but Nick was. And I think it'd be hard for her to say for a woman uh, who just, you know, and I know the relationship you have with Nick, but that had to be hard for her to say, yeah. but, but it was true. And I, I don't think I'm done yet. If I took Nick 13 years of what he, what he probably, if you think of what he's accomplished, what he accomplished for having been here, for all of his family and friends and everyone else, I'm 63 and, and, and I don't think I've even equaled it yet oh. because I'm still here. You know. Well, and your wife had to battle cancer so. too in that. You alluded to that a little bit ago yeah. that... Not too long after Nick died, like what was it, six months or a year or something, she got her cancer diagnosis, right? Six months? Six mm-hmm. months. Right, right. 
Yeah, I and and I know you're a doctor, so you probably, uh, you know, if you had been around, you would have said something not right, because she was having bleeding at the cervical area for, for a long time, and she thought, you know, maybe it's part of grieving, yeah. and I haven't, whatever. So six months after after the fact, uh, I had just I, when I came home and she told me, I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, that, that, you know, of course, worst case scenario, she was even thinking that too, but uh, I, I got to tell you. My wife is my hero. I can't, I can't believe what she went through, the, the treatment she went through. She's already a physically fit individual. Her, my, my mother-in-law passed away a year before, uh, in client with cancer, but her strength and, 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 and faith in, in God and, and, and that the Lord will take care of her. But initially she was really yeah. just, I'm not going to do anything because the end result was mm-hmm. being with Nick. And that seemed like a good idea at the time then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But eventually, people and others, and 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 I think in in this way, God is letting them know that you know, you you're not done yet yeah. here. There's, there's other people. You still have work to do. He needs to work on me. His son, our, our oldest son, uh, now, and now we have a grandson. And um, I think that uh, I I went through it three times. But what I really admire, if anybody else has ever really under truly understands child grief. Is that through all the treatment she had, and she had internal and external uh, radiation at the same time she was going through chemo. Uh, later on, the chemo was doing nothing, mm-hmm. so she ended up with immunotherapy, a clinical trial. Uh, at the end, at the last, the last treatment, in all that time, Nick grieving for Nick yeah. was always the top of it. And I even titled that 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 particular chapter, compared uh, uh, to losing a child, cancer is nothing. And that's how my wife felt, and and I think she was able because. That's the fact that she was, she was physically in such great shape. She was she, she was able to get through all of that. I think it would have killed a lot of people, to be honest. Uh, uh, but um, just because, but, but but the fact that her priority was always Nick, even even while she was going through through all that tough cast treatment. I mean, she he is uh, for any any woman uh, who's lost a child or any parents lost a child or. Also, people going through cancer to see what she's gone through. I think she really, really is a great example of, of where life priority should be. And like, if she's my hero, she's my hero without her, I don't know what, where I'd be. You know, when Andy died, he died in August, and I, both of my parents had cancer My in their 30s, actually. My mother died when she was 42. My dad is still living. But because of that, I had to start getting mammograms and colonoscopies in my 20s actually so like long (laughs) long before most people are so I had to get a mammogram every year and I had to get my colonoscopy every four years and both of those things were due just a couple of months after Andy died and of course I didn't do them then because I just couldn't but it came maybe around January or so like well I should go get all that done and what was really weird this time is that a tiny little bit of me wanted it to be positive. A tiny bit of me wanted that mammogram to find some cancer or wanted the colonoscopy to find cancer. And I was like, this is horrible that I'm actually having this thought for the first time ever with all of these scans that I've had done before that I kind of a little bit wouldn't mind so much if it was positive. But it's because I just so desperately missed him and so desperately wanted to be with him that like, well, just wouldn't be so bad actually this time. 
right? It was just the weirdest yeah. feeling. So when I heard that about your wife, I thought, sort of can get that. I sort of can get why she would have said that. And now it's funny. Mm -hmm. I just had the thought of it wouldn't be so bad. Maybe it would be all right. I don't think I actually had gone on to think of would I do treatment or any of that, right? Because it never got that far. But I could understand how it could. As her husband uh, and her life partner, I, I wasn't necessarily hurt by that attitude that she really had. Like, well, actually, I'm not going to. Because my wife's you know, chemo is poisoning in the body and that's not in her opinion, that's, that's not inducive to, yeah. to a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. But you just need to do something that's going to poison the cancer more than the body, right? That's the whole point of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did feel, the only thing I might have felt a little odd was, like, you know, right. JP's still here. Me, JP's still here, you know. And, and maybe she thought, well, you'll take care of him. I know, that's exactly what she thought. Because that's what I thought. Because I'm thinking to myself, we divide and conquer all the time. Nobody's with Andy. Somebody needs to be with Andy. You've got the other kids. I can be with Andy. Like that's what ends up going through your mind. So I'm sure that's what was going through her mind. Like, ah. Yeah. I mean, years later, we could look back and say, did you see how well you left me alone with them? Well, how, how, how things worked out? Are you sure you wanted to do that? But but at the time, that, that, that was exactly what was going through my mind. Well, you know, he's almost, he was 18 already as a senior in high school. And he goes, you know, he, you're, you're here. And, 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 but, uh, but uh, both my son and, and I are both grateful, as are yeah. so many other people, that Kirstie decided that, you know what, yeah. I'm going to go, okay, she, she changed her heart, uh, she went through all that treatment, and uh, like I said, I can't, I can't say it enough how much uh, she's yeah. my hero, you know, uh, somebody did that before I left school, they said, they at school for the flower classroom door, Asked us, what's your favorite food? Where'd you go to school? What have you done? And you go, who's your hero? I just said, yeah. my wife. Yeah. Didn't even hesitate. Everybody else was naming the famous athletes, famous songwriters, the rock girls. I, my wife. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. I love that. So you do some work with bereaved dads now, right? Don't you do a group with bereaved dads? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I facilitate. Uh, well, because you do grief share, I know, with church and your wife. But I think you do something more particular with just bereaved dads, which I think is pretty cool. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how your husband ha has grieved, but the bottom line is, is we men tend to not want to give out our emotions, not cry in front of another, show weakness, you know. Uh, we're, we're famous for that. My fist was this, I caught a yeah. fist this big story, you know. But when we're there... A lot of that goes yeah. away, and, and we we might not talk that way when we leave the restaurant. Uh, we have that we meet once a Saturday every 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 uh, once month every set on a Saturday, but when we're in there, we can talk about what what what's been going on, how we feel, uh, and we we have everything from myself who lost a thirteen year old son to wrong uh, that uh, there's some guys meeting right now. All our all all three of our sons are the same age. Nick would be 26 now. One other father who lost his son when he was 21 in a car crash, for example, uh, he would be 26 now. Another another son who unfortunately lost his life at the hands of another, he would be 26 now. And that mm -hmm. sort of ties us together as well. But but I think I think just the, just the fact that we men, I think this world would be a little bit better place and a lot more grief would be a lot easier for so much of us if we men would stop trying to be that. Uh, stereotypical yeah. what a man's supposed to be. 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Hispanic, you know, so, so that's, that's already going to strike against me. But, but you know, maybe my education, maybe my, my other life experiences and stuff like that. And plus, I was in charge of the macho stuff at school, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, because you're a athletic director, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was an athletic director and I shook football baseball for many years. Uh, but, but, you know, what, what we're supposed to do. Uh, but I think that made me better there too, and, and empathetic. So I think we, when we leave those meetings, we're better people for it, better men for it. And I think especially when, when, we're, uh, when we have to respect our wives grieving, our children's grieving. I mean, mind you, the first, first month or two, I was really upset at my older son. Said, Why aren't yeah. you grieving like your mother and I? It's totally it's, different. It's different. It's his brother. Plus, he's got to deal. He's still dealing. Yeah. Uh, so, so the men's group has been very, very good. It was good for me. It's a, there's a, a former pastor. He has since too ill to, to, to do it anymore. So I took over it after COVID. And he invited me over to, he, he, he owned the, the funeral parlor that handled our, our arrangement. Mm-hmm. And he had lost his son. That's why he did it, because he lost his son. So that has always been good for me. And we put everything aside. What's your politics? Who's your favorite king? Yeah. You know, who, you know, whatever things you have, that's not, the point is, and that's why I like when I said, is we lost the son or we lost the daughter. And that's just the key point. You know, you know we, we all have that common. We've had meetings where we got, we rarely talked about our kids, but just being in the presence of other men who knew or know mm-hmm. what's inside of us, that, that's been helpful to me. And I hope it's been helpful to them too. Well, I thought when you wrote about how you're used to being able to fix it, right? And you feel like it's your job to fix it. And and that's kind of a stereotypic mm-hmm. man role to have to fix it. I, I actually really could identify the, quite a bit with that as a doctor, too, because that's your doctor's role is to fix everything, too, and just the mm-hmm. same. So in that way, I guess I'm an honorary man in that I feel like I need to fix every, all the problems. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was it was this is something you just can't fix. You just can't. And it's very hard um, mm-hmm. to accept that sometimes when you are in that role of being, of used to being able to fix everything or trying to fix everything. I did have one student once come up to me years ago, a few years after my, my son died and she found out that I had lost his son. And she goes, it's good trash. How long does it take you to get over it? And I, and I said, you never do it. No, never. I told her not a day goes by and I'm not thinking about him. Not an hour goes by when at least a thought about him pops into my head. You know, when I'm lecturing to you in any class, that teaching us all that, no matter what I'm doing, that's just that's how it is. Because I said, just like you are part of your parents and, and you're their life, whether you have each other or not. That was, I, I've lost one of the one of the two things that God put on this earth for me to do is raise sons, my two sons. But I also look at other I'm not done, apparently. Maybe God wanted me to also write, uh, use my experience to write for over 13, or, or the, the the next one I wrote, which is basically uh, about a year in the life of a grieving father. It's just, it's, it's, it's aimed at dad, but I think any parent would get it, but it's aimed at dad. I just think that maybe, maybe uh, because I feel like I need others to understand what I'm going through. I need others to be there for yes. me so I can, and yes. I, I need to be there for them. So, so that, that, that's part, part of it. That's part of it. And I love that you say that because we do need people. We do. And that's what oftentimes others feel like, I, I can't do anything for you. You're just doing great. You're doing fine. You're so strong. You don't need me. 
but we do we do need other people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and when losing a child i think i think when uh we talk to others they can and so many people have lost parents or other you know other, yeah it scares it scares them yes i think i've had family friends it's good and, and it's just like my gosh they don't know how to talk to us or there's always that thought why did that ever happen to me and somehow yeah. they without meaning to that fear of that makes them ignore it i know or walk the, or walk know. the other way or yeah. like like they think it's catchy or something yeah yeah <laughs> it's not contagious <laughs> trust me yeah and, and when i went when i returned and going back to work at least I had been at that school for a long time. They had known Nick since he was a kid. I used to take him to, to, to practices and games sometimes or, or in the summer before they before JP Nick had stuff to be here. Actually I, I lived thirty minutes for thirty thirty five minutes from where my school was. But they knew him. Yeah. They saw him at his best, like he was gonna take off on a golf cart or finding snakes in the bushes, you know. So they knew my boys before that. But even then I think they were really oh my gosh, you know, do I talk to him? Do I not talk to him? And and and, and, and you know, I, the American workforce place, they give you your the, the contractual three days off the more I can get back to work. I still expect you to do this. So, you know, you know, you know, and, and again, I, I try not to blame anybody, but, but still, I think we need to, if we're not going to take care of us better in that situation, then we need to take care of each other. We need to have a father's group. We need to go to grief share. We need to go to, uh, the, some of the organizations, I forgot the names of them that you, you talk about, that you go to, you know, that, that sounds great. You know, I, I wish I had some of that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Starlight Ministries is where uh, all of those. Yeah, I think we need those. And and you know what? Uh, you still have some uh, after a while. Some fathers who uh, maybe it's because of pressure at work, whatever. They, after they've gone to a few, okay, I'm done. But they're not done. And I and I and I know they're not done. Yeah. So, but you know what? Mm -hmm. You just hope they'll come back, or if they need you, you're there for them. Well, right. Or you sometimes you can just mm -hmm. do a little bit at a time, right? Sometimes you're going to do that, and then mm -hmm. you need to take a step away, and then go back and work on it again, yeah. and take a step away. And if that's what you can do, mm -hmm. that's what you can do. And, and, and I think that's mm -hmm. that's always been the the, the the most important part of, of grief counseling to us, or, or what we understand. Again, and I, and I being a grief share, I, I work with others who are grieving all kinds of different losses, not just my a child loss, but our child loss is so unique. Yeah, it is really unique. You know. Uh, uh, you know, that, that saying, um, I, I put it in my book, but I think my wife, first, I heard it from my wife the first time, where it said, you know, when you're, when you're, when you lose a parent, you're an orphan, when you lose a spouse, you know, you're a widow or a widower. Mm -hmm. you lose a child, there's no word for it. And and, and, and it's out there all the time. What, 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 what am I now? What am I? Because you and my wife, for example, you, you identified as mothers, and I identified myself as a father. And I'm still, and, and it took, it didn't take me a long time, but it took me a while to, to, to be able to, to, to let others know just because my son went to heaven on, Jan, on January 13th did not make me no longer a father. You know, matter of fact, the, the title I chose for the, the next book is called Still Your Dad, Always My Son, A Year in the Life of a Grieving Father. Because that's, because yeah. that's the key. I'm, I'm still your dad and you're always going to be my son. And when people ask me, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Well, I know what's coming up here, not too far away, is uh -huh. January 13th again. And this is going to be 13 years. How does that feel? It Right now, it feels, uh, I prepare myself mentally for it. Yeah. 
I had a, a, a coworker who, who had a similar situation when he had a son die years and years ago. And he said the hard part for us was when he reached, when it, uh, the boy, I think his son died at 14. He says, well, 14, for the 14th anniversary after his death, when we realized he's been here as long as he was gone, he's gone, he's been gone, gone as long as he was here. And that, that, that was in the back of my mind, I know. but it was so long ago and now it's coming. Yeah. And, and I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm preparing myself yeah. for it. I'm preparing for that. I, and I, I, I don't know how I'm going to react yet. Uh, I just, you know. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about it, too. I just thought, mm-hmm. wow, that's going to be a rough one. I mean, that's just going to be. But I knew you'd already be thinking about it. There's no, no way I was bringing it up for the first time. No, no, no. It's been years. You know, I mean, like in my, my Facebook group, I, I mentioned, I think, because I, I put a couple of those in the books. So, you know, this is just before I retired, the 10th year came. I go, 10 years, that's, that's double digits now. Mm-hmm. You know, I go, wow. And then so 13th year is coming up. And we, we always go somewhere with my sister, my brother-in-law. He's in the Bay Area somewhere, uh, just a, for the anniversary we call it. Oh, do you guys use that term, anniversary? Yeah. And, and and so, yeah, so, so we're going I've to. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. They'll be there for us, and, and my wife and I will be there for each other. But uh, I, I suspect it, it, it will be uh, something heavily weighing on our on our hearts that day. Uh, but we'll get through it, just like we always do, because we have each other, we have God, and, and we know if our family and friends will love us. Uh, and, and they'll, re- you know, it doesn't matter how long it's in heaven from, from the time when we left on, you can't forget a character like that. He was yeah. something else. Like. Yeah, no, right. Well, before we wrap up here, I do want to talk about that Facebook group you have. Whenever you write a post, you end it in a very okay. particular way. And I want you to say that out loud to our listeners because I think it's pretty special. It started when my, when my son was, uh, he was like six or seven and and it was the issue we were having at school. And it's dumb issues. My being an educator, I'm going, this is ridiculous. But but they still wanted to have an IEP on something. And he was, he was smart kid. He goes, Daddy, there's something wrong. I said, no, 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 you know, you're the best six-year-old in the whole wide world. Your daddy loves you. And I now I finish it because the last time I, I talked, spoke with him. You know, and I say this, I used to say before I left for school. And when I put him to, when I was going to bed that night, I say, Nick, you're the best 13 year old boy in the whole wide world. Your daddy loves you. And 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 I still I, I say that on my journal. I have a journal I have it twenty volumes now. I, I say that in my, my group. And sometimes I I'll just say that. I said in the books. It is, it is. Forever thirteen, that's the reason. Yeah. And and he's the best thirteen year old boy in the whole wide world. And I and I love him. I still love him. I just love how you did that, you know, just said you're the best 13 year old boy in the whole wide world and daddy loves you very much. I just love that. I do have to say, I'm kind of glad that he didn't make it to 14 because now I can say that my Andy is the best 14 year old boy in the whole wide world Uh and his mommy loves him very much. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing Nick with us today. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. And I, and I will try somehow to send you a copy of that coming out of the, the, the truck, this little transformer thing. You know what? I do have to ask you one more question as to how people can get your book. Because you just sent me a copy, but how can other people get your book? Uh, they can get through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Get it through uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, there's a lot of other books 
Facebook groups that they they can order the book through. And and it, it, well, perfect. Even if people are not going through what we're going through, if you know someone's going through it, I really think it'll help. It's, it's and it's, it's not a how to fix grief, but it lets no. everybody nope. lets people in that picture, you know. Yes. So again, the book is called Forever Thirteen. So look mm-hmm. for it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy your yeah. books. Thank you again. Well, thank you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.